When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just on a drive, leaving dad's house, driving westbound on the Loop 202 Red Mountain Freeway. This area is very familiar to me, driving through the orange groves in Lehigh Valley. It's a distinctly Arizona feature. Drive along any of our freeways and odds are, you'll see some designs on the walls, patterns in the gravel, and unique features gracing the bridges. There's a rabbit design coming up on the Gilbert Road Bridge area. There are some zigzaggy snakes on the bridge. The art along the valley's highways is as diverse as the Sonoran landscape. Then it looks like we have, I always thought it was some sort of native spirit. It's got kind of like these big, I don't know if they're supposed to be earrings or ears. Drawing on images and themes of Arizona flora, fauna, and history. But what is the story behind these works? It's a question many people have asked, including listener Lucas Vargas. And it is the perfect inquiry for this podcast. Welcome back to Valley 101, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and AZ Central. Each week, we answer questions about Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm producer Kaylee Monahan. On its surface, the answer behind why we have art on our freeways is simple, deceptively so. Bland concrete walls are boring. But as with all our stories on Valley 101, there's more to uncover. Let's step back in history. About a decade after World War II, President Dwight Eisenhower signed the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956. The inspiration for it came from Eisenhower's time as a soldier stationed in Germany during the war. He was impressed by the country's network of high-speed roads, called the Reichsautobahn. building the most modern automobile highways in the world. As part of the new motorization program, 5,000 miles of new roads are being built simultaneously in all parts of the country. After becoming president, Eisenhower wanted to connect America with a system of roads that could rival what he saw in Germany. And it was also a goal that Congress had for some time. After some false starts, Congress passed the 1956 Highway Act. It was during this time that Interstates 10 and 17 were built in Arizona. Let's shift gears and speed ahead to 1965. President Lyndon Johnson is in the White House. 
in our eagerness to expand and to improve. We have relegated nature to a weekend role, and we've banished it from our daily lives. Well, I think that we are a poorer nation because of it, and that is why today there's a great deal of real joy within me and within my family as we meet here in this historic East Room to sign the Highway Beautification Act of 1965. Based on the name, you'd think adding art to our roadways would be part of the deal. But actually, it's not. The goal of that act is to, to remove what you might describe as roadside clutter. This is Mark Thibault. Which included lots of different kinds of signs. Not just billboards, but kind of custom-made signs. Uh, you know, you see sometimes today the guy spinning the sign on the side of the road. Well, just imagine people putting up lots of those signs on every road and on uh, high-speed federal highways or the interstate. He's an urban, public, and digital historian based at Arizona State University. Yeah, I do a lot of things. He's directed more than two dozen digital humanities, oral history, and public history projects. So I would just describe me as, I mean, for this context, I'm an urban historian at, uh, in the school for, I was, it's, a, it's a mouthful, historical, philosophical, and religious studies. When I first reached out to Mark, I was thinking that the Highway Beautification Act was all I needed to know about putting art on the freeways. But the story of America's highways is a bit more complicated than the straightaway I was imagining. Back to the Beautification Act, its main goal was to declutter our roadways, which could be riddled with signs of all kinds. Handmade signs. So-called non-conforming signs. Neon signs. Ad hoc or informal signs. Signs of every shape, size, and color. It was a minimalist's nightmare. To combat this, some cities took the act a step further. And in fact, Tempe, it's really great, in the 70s, has a sign inspector who's going out and inspecting the size and quality of your signs. It also included other aspects such as planting flowers and trees and, you know, just making the roadsides look good. So that's the bigger context of this kind of highway beautification movement. In certain locales, it actually has, it's quite successful at enforcing a new kind of standardization. But one of the things we lose out of that are things like neon signs, right? Along Van Buren, you would have had these beautiful neon signs lining the, the street. Most of them are gone. But the Highway Beautification Act was about more than just signage. So 
So the National Endowment for the Arts held a conference of planners, designers, uh, architects in the early 70s that made a series of recommendations about how you could beautify these types of federal projects, including transit projects. As roads spread across the nation, connecting cities and bridging rural communities, a real concern developed. These highways that were meant to connect communities were cutting through them. They were also massive and frankly, an eyesore. It is then, during the Carter administration, that the idea of putting art on our freeways is born. In 1986, Phoenix creates its own public art commission to oversee artworks specifically along the roadways. So now we arrive to the first answer, why is there art on Metro Phoenix's highways? A majority of the Valley's freeways were constructed after President Jimmy Carter designated funds to put art on the nation's roads. So from the beginning, it was an easy process to include art into the freeway's design. Two, three, four. Hi, this is Amanda Liberto, the other podcast producer. Did you know there's an easy way to stay on top of all of our podcasts plus news from across the state? Just download the free AZ Central app. Find it in your app store and in Google Play. Now back to the story. Now there's funding to decorate the roadsides and overpasses. But how are the designs chosen? For that, I turn to ADOT. I'm Leroy Brady, Chief Landscape Architect for the Arizona Department of Transportation. Leroy has been with the Arizona Department of Transportation, or ADOT, since 1974. He has seen the construction of the majority of Metro Phoenix freeways. I met with Leroy and Doug Ninsel, ADOT spokesman focusing on the Phoenix area, at their downtown office. Leroy explained that roadside aesthetics started with vegetation. In the mid-80s, we started moving towards native plants only in the seeding and work that we did along the highways. Working with environmentalists, ADOT planted local flora along the roadsides. What you see along the highway, we, we, design, we do the seeding with most projects have about 25 different species. And we use a combination of grasses and forbs, and forbs are other plants that are, and shrubs that are not grasses. This seeding mix includes some annuals, and we plan on a succession just like in nature. You don't start out with the ultimate plant cover. It works up to it through succession you get into the rural sections of our highways, and a lot of people don't think about it. They, they think they're just driving along. Oh, these must have just grown up naturally as far as the plants. But yes, a lot of work goes into designing that. When it comes to the rock designs on the slopes, 
or the various designs molded into the concrete walls and bridges. A lot of the inspiration comes from local communities. The municipalities would work with ADOT and oftentimes raise funds for some additional pizzazz to be added to their sections of freeway. So in Scottsdale, there's the lizards, the cactus designs in Avondale, the dragonfly near Lake Pleasant. There is artwork that depicts waves and on the Loop 303, desert tortoises and out by the Phoenix Raceway, checkered flags that are designed into the walls, I think, with uh, race car uh, tires. many of the designs hearken to the Native Americans who've called the valley home for centuries. ADOC consults with the various tribes to get their input on the types of graphics that should be created. Here's Leroy. Many of the patterns you see on the freeway, for example, the 101 through Salt River Pima Indian community, those patterns are from Salt River Pima baskets. And uh, our staff went into uh, the museum, photographed baskets that were appropriate, and then from those designs, we developed landform graphics on the highway. It's just essential that you work with them. There are so many cultural things that you don't want to offend and that they want to emphasize. So it's really important to always work with the elders and the staff of the Native Americans. Sometimes, ADOT works with specific artists, like Paolo Solari. Because Cordes Junction is right next to Acrosanti, we, within the department, felt it was important to reflect something in relation to uh, Paolo Solari and Acrosanti. And we were able to get Paolo Solari as a consultant to work with us on those graphic designs that are at Cordes Junction. And they're unique, they are something that we have never done before. But you can be a little bit sleepy as you're approaching Cordes Junction and you see the, those graphics and what in the world? But Paula Solari laid out that work and did that design even though he was in his 90s and he was in the field doing it. The artist behind the lizards and prickly pear pads on the Loop 101 in Scottsdale is public artist Carolyn Broxma. Known for her large-scale works, she collaborated with architect Andrea Foreman and landscape architect Jeffrey Engelman to design the images and textures on the noise abatement walls.
ADOT also worked with the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation to honor the great American architect. Along the Loop 202 South Mountain section, you can see a jagged, sawtooth pattern on the retaining walls, abutments, and bridge barriers. The design is a nod to Wright's 1920s work at the Akatio settlement and what later became Awatuki. Circling back to our listener Lucas Vargas, he specifically mentioned an interest in the pots that line parts of State Route 51's concrete walls. Here's Doug Ninsel again. The story is that the city of Phoenix actually had art displays in the neighborhoods next to the highway, and any of the artwork that was at that time on top of the walls along the 51, they were just a small portion of larger uh, artistic displays that were inside the neighborhoods next to the highway. Many outlets, including the Arizona Republic, reported on the artwork and the ensuing row it caused. Officially named the Wall Cycle to Ocotillo, they garnered the more colloquial and, in today's culture, racist name, Squaw Peak Pots. Longtime residents of Phoenix will also recall the 51 was called Squaw Peak Parkway, but the name was changed along with the mountain which gave the route its name. Both now carry the name of Paestawa. Here's ASU's Mark Thibault again. In some ways, you know, the, the kind of the layers of this are really interesting, right? You know, Squaw Peak is a colonial kind of narrative, right? Um, which is Anglo terms for native peoples, right? And we called that the Squaw Peak Parkway then. And so this is how place names cement kind of fundamentally racist views, right? Objectifying native uh, peoples. Um, and so we're going to put these pots up that, and, you know, and then there's a debate about whether we should. What really drew the community's ire was not whether or not the pots had any tie in Phoenix culture, but the fact that the city commissioned two out-of-state artists to design the works. However, with further expansion of the 51, many of the pots were taken down and put into storage. Only a handful are left today. So completing the loop of our story, why is there art on the valley's highways? The majority of Metro Phoenix's freeways were built later than in other states. And by then, there was a federal push to make America's roadways aesthetically pleasing. But one factor we haven't touched on yet is the environment specifically how Arizona's topography influences the decorative choices. Mark puts it this way. When you're driving down a, an interstate, say outside of Washington, going north to Maryland, there are really two kinds of roads. You'll have an interstate or a parkway, and they're usually surrounded, like a parkway would be surrounded by grass and then large trees, right? An uh, interstate will be maybe surrounded by a little bit of grass, but then these big walls to prevent noise from penetrating into the neighborhoods that have grown around them, right? And so one of the things is, is that in the East, you can create these natural screens of vegetation to help hide the city around it, to attempt to create beauty, to dampen noise. Here in the Valley, where we have this desert, we don't have 
the ability to put up those kinds of screens, right? Just nothing grows like that. And the volume of water you would need would be insane. We use large concrete walls to help dampen the noise. But instead of just making miles of bare vertical walls, ADOT and the surrounding communities make use of the blank canvas, if you will, to do something uniquely different. The recognition of that Sonoran Desert is huge, right? It, it amplifies the beauty of what we have in our communities. Well, the art just accentuates that, right? And, you know, putting up a brick, uh, essentially a concrete wall around a road without art is just ugly, right? And it's soulless. It's exactly the critique we make of suburbs. So I think what we've done in the Valley really well, partly because our structure is suburban, is to try to bring these small bits of beauty that connect us aesthetically to the desert in terms of the greenery, but then to a broader sense of this place. And this is also one of the interesting things about many of the art projects, is that they reflect distinctive takes on this place and this history. So next time you're zipping down the highway and you see geometric designs in the gravel or spot a horse on the walls, you can think about the collaboration between the Department of Transportation, the cities, and local communities to capture the feel of the Sonoran Desert. After all, there's no road anywhere else in the country quite like those in our valley. Thank you, Lucas, for your question about freeway art. If you have a question about Phoenix or beyond, send it to us at valley101.azcentral.com. You can also hear our past episodes there. Be sure to subscribe to Valley 101 in all our shows, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a fan of this episode, please share it with a friend. Follow all AZ Central podcasts, including this one, on Twitter and Instagram at A-Z-C Podcasts. You can also support us and all the amazing work done by the Arizona Republic's reporters by subscribing to azcentral.com. I'm your producer, Kaylee Monahan. We'll catch you next week.